welcome to welcome to the last in the current season of the Unintentional Podcast. We'll be back next year. Really appreciate everyone tuning in and listening and feeding back. Today's podcast is with Brightonian, honorary Bristolian, part founding member of the breakbeat genre, desert dweller, founding member of the Californian supergroup The Acid, Mr. Adam Freeland, in which we discuss walking away from a lucrative DJ and production career to go and live in the Mojave Desert. Really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, it's been a fantastic few months doing these, actually. I look forward to doing some more next year. Have a good one. Bye. Mr. Freeland. Howdy. How are you? I'm going to get some video. Hi. All right, mate. All right. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm fantastic, actually. It is a glorious day here. You it's just you look well, mate, and happy. I'm, 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 I'm both of those things. Let me just grab a glass of water. Yeah. Hey, um, there's this wind chime thing I've got going on here. I can't hear it. That's okay. It. Uh, if you hear it, I can take it down, disable it. No, that's fine. I genuinely can't hear it, actually. But I'm pointing my good ear at the laptop. Can't hear anything. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing? All right. I'm all right. I'm looking at you slightly enviously over in Joshua Tree. I'm sat here with a, um, a hot water bottle. Oh, fuck. <laughs> underneath my hoodie. <laughs> um, oh. Very well, thank you. So you are in Joshua Tree, and I think probably like most people of my age, I first heard of Joshua Tree off the U2 album, and then it took me about another 10 years to realise it was an actual place. I hadn't yes, same. Yeah. So I'm actually technically not in Joshua Tree. I'm, I say it's Joshua Tree because people have heard of that, but I'm about 45 minutes. Um, if you drew a line from Joshua Tree to the t- top of Big Bear Mountain, yeah, I'm up. Um, technically, I'm in Pioneer Town. Okay. Uh, in a place called Pipes Canyon. Wow. And uh, it's sort of, um, it's a bit higher up. I'm, like it's high desert, so I'm, I'm at like 4,700 feet. It's about 10 degrees colder than Joshua Tree and about 20 degrees colder than Palm Springs, <laughs> which is great in the summer and not so great yeah. in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets properly cold here, actually. But right now, it's glorious. And the place you're living in, you sort of essentially sort of built yourself. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, I basically live outdoors. Um, I, I bought some land eight years ago and um pretty clueless about what i was getting into <laughs> and i in the best way i actually i'll show you i reversed this trailer as they call them here caravan as we say in england i reversed that behind down behind a car from la in a snowstorm put it there and then i've sort of just it just turned out to be a really good spot and then i've never moved it since, since. I mean, it looks amazing so i'm just sort of nestled it's a little nook. most of the land is boulders so i'm sort of nestled in this little nook here wow and, uh yeah it's i i um i haven't built a house yet the plan was to build in the first two years but one thing it's much yeah. more of a grand undertaking i was completely naive <laughs> and you know i'm totally off grid so I've slowly figured out how to do solar and now I've got a well and 
first two years I didn't even have internet I had to like eke a text out from the top of that boulder pile up there I literally had to climb up and like send her a little green sms out and uh I could talk about it all day but it's been a adventure it's I love it I'm completely in love with the experience it's been really hard and extreme but yeah it's been very rewarding as well. What a phenomenal thing. It's amazing. What an undertaking, mate. <laughs> if I had known, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have got into it, but I'm so glad I did. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like living off grid is, is, is not easy. No. Um, especially not having, living outdoors is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm mostly outdoors. Occasionally, in, when it's really cold, I go inside my trailer. Yeah, um, but I've got an outdoor kitchen and I sleep outside. And, wow! Um, the big thing here at the moment is I'm I've got this other trailer, a forty foot long, like an old aluminium airstream thing. It's called a Spartan, it's like an airstream, but um, and I've got it cantilevered off a boulder pile, which has been something I've been dreaming about since here. I'm building a I'm building a recording studio and I'm really, I put it there because it overhangs this Canyon and the acoustics are insane in this Canyon. And so I'll sort of be like this, this sort of control bridge over the Canyon and I'll be able to have speakers on the front of the trailer and send sound out to into this, this big wall of rock. Yeah. Like it's a hundred foot wall of, and it about the slap back is really nice. It's going through a whole, the reverb is going through a whole Canyon. <laughs> and, uh, amazing. We'll see. We'll see what that births. Yes. Yeah. Quite the, uh, quite the effect. I don't know how you're running. How are you running your Wi-Fi then? It, it's a miracle that it works, but it's <laughs> a, it looks like a, a satellite dish, but it's a long range microwave link. Okay. Um, and it's on top of that boulder pile over there. And that okay. looks down over five miles towards um, a, the, the town, basically. I mean, the nearest civilization is a line of sight. It, it basically, it's a, it's a sort of directed Wi-Fi beam that works yeah. over long distances. Okay. But there's a couple of links in between that are all solar powered. And um, I've been having problems the last week because someone keeps pinching the batteries and solar panels at a point further down the canyon. Um, but um, it's generally pretty good. Um, but the, it, literally there's three sets of batteries and solar panels before it gets to me. So the fact it works and we're doing a Zoom call and um, obviously the power I'm running here is from my own solar. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Although I'm quite excited for the... Um, the uh, Starlink, which might come around this way. Okay. So, you know, the Elon Musk's. Yeah. Usually, yeah. We, we were actually watching a movie out in the desert um, a few months back, and it was like an outdoor cinema in Pioneer Town, and uh, all these bright lights started going over, like, a, like, looked like UFOs, like quite low level, really bright. There's like 10 of them in a row. And we were like, what? We were all convinced 
yeah. we were witnessing a, a UFO experience. And then there was a pause and there was like 70, I counted 74 of them, just bright lights zooming across the sky in a train. Anyway, it turns out that we witnessed the launch of those satellites. Oh, wow. The reason they were bright is it was just after sunset. So like the sun still catches them from yeah. underneath. Yeah. Um, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> For a moment, I was yeah. really quite excited yeah. that we'd had a proper I UFO experience would be the one thing you're missing. I thought you've had everything else. Have you? Well, I've got a few stories, but that would have been like really conclusive. But yeah. then it yeah. was Elon Musk. Yeah. I love how you're kind of living the life I thought I'd be living about 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I never thought I'd end up in the desert. No. I thought I'd, I'd end up somewhere sort of tropical with yeah. a surf break at the end of my my mango tree yard. Yeah. But here we are. I love the desert. And the times, few times I've been there, down sort of desert hot springs and Joshua Tree and that kind of thing, it's just it's blown my mind. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, and you get a quite similar feel, you know, if you go to the moors or something around here, just that flat slightly alien isolation where nothing looks particularly friendly but not particularly threatening either and you kind of just get sucked up into the whole just the whole feel of it there's something amazing about for me very compelling i realize it's not for everybody some people it scares but when you can see no evidence of other humans and you can be completely just with yourself mm. I find that like I've had my peak life experiences in those kind of yeah. situations. Yeah. I've realized from people who come here, like it's, some people are just being that far away from things freaks people out. But, but then there's this yearning to go deeper. You know what I mean? Like once you go <laughs> out there, it's like, wow, you know, it's quite, I, you quite easily to, you could see how you could go like into the wild style. Yeah. You know, just go, just, there's, there's always this yearning to just go a bit further away from civilization. But it's pretty good. I'm five miles down a dirt road right at the end and I border the wilderness. So I, I could walk for two weeks from here and not see anybody. That's incredible. Yeah. But then like 20 minutes away, I got like Pappy and Harriet's and see like world-class bands. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> unusual balance of things. That's a great balance. Yeah. yeah. That's a great yeah. balance. Uh, like, where do you go from Bristol? What, for you that kind of experience? You said you're going to the moors just outside. Well, there's a Dartmoor and Exmoor and stuff, but also kind of North Wales, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of these spaces are really popular now since the whole COVID lockdown thing and everyone's kind of discovering stuff at home. But... Um, I'm a big fan of Wales for that kind of thing. Mm. And I love, used to love Dartmoor. I've been there for a while. Exmoor um, mm. can be amazing. Um, it's a beautiful island. It is a beautiful island. Uh, the weather's against you four, five months of the year, just the darkness and stuff. But, um, and I was in Iceland a couple of weeks ago, and that has a sort of similar effect, um, of course. And it's funny how we yearn for, you know, we yearn for company, but we also yearn to be safe in that company, to be able to leave it, what kind of note will still be there if we ever want to come back again, you know? Mm. And uh, that's, that's the perfect balance, I guess. 
I found it hard to get the balance. Like, I love being around great people and I love inviting people here, but quite quickly, like it's just nonstop people here. And, um, and like getting that balance, right. Of having the, your own personal space and like, it's a push pull thing, you know, like you really want, I really want to be alone, but then I really love being around people and <laughs> getting that balance. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I've got, a, I've got, I've got, I put stronger barriers up around when I host people now. So I'm like, I can kind of cut, I can I'm a bit more clear with it. Yeah. I guess you'd need to be, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, everyone thinks you're like, what are you doing out there? You must be lonely. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> I'm trying to be... <laughs> must be so much to do really. And just the, my aunt, I've got an aunt who's got a bit of land in the south of France that she bought, which is in her 80s. She bought it about 40 years ago. And it's just at the foothills of the Morvontour. And there's a, a tiny little horse stable. And that's what she lives in. And she's converted that. And it's basically exactly the same thing. There's no electricity, some solar panels, uh, compost toilet, big sack in a tree that collects all the rainwater and heats it up in the sun so she can shower. Um, yeah. Uh, and when you go there with her, you spend most of the day just living, just kind of preparing food, finding food, you know, uh, cleaning this, wiping that, uh, emptying this, checking that fence, um, you know, that kind of thing. And actually that's, that's your life is, is, you know, you realize how much of that's been taken away through modern living, just the dealing with the mechanics of staying alive and making sure you're, you know, your place is up to scratch. Mm. That's been, yeah. I mean, that's why I haven't got that much music done in the last few no. years. It's a full-time job living like this. Yeah. But I feel like once this studio is in place, it's, I've, I've got clear, I've got the clear vision now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to do. I'm glad you came to in, came in for this chat. Completely selfless. There you are. You frozen briefly. Ah, okay. Where were we? Uh, it's fine. Well, I mean, um, thanks for joining me. Uh, I mean, this podcast, uh, uh, hence the title, wasn't really something I set out to do, but it's kind of evolving and happening. And I figured that at the end of the season, I needed a special guest, and that special guest is you. And of course, you're the non non-Bristolian ultimately but when we met a couple of weeks ago you told me your grandparents came from Nailsea my parents I mean I'm spiritually brizzle <laughs> there you go that's a connection <laughs> I, my mom is from um Nailsea and my dad's from Clevedon right and both my grandparents lived in well all my grandparents lived in Bristol as a kid so I'd we'd go there a lot oh right okay so I, nice. I do you know so I'm, I have a strong connection with Bristol yeah. I mean, the Bristol thing is, isn't really part of this podcast. It's just the way it's evolved because I needed to speak to people I knew really well to begin with. And that, and that, and it kind of just evolved into early episodes about old school Bristol, but this doesn't need to be that at all. Um, 
Uh, it doesn't need to be old school anything. It doesn't need to be Bristol anything, really. Uh, and God knows I'm not, I'm not a journalist. I'm not here to interview you. Uh, it's just... The... Well, I heard your conversation with Crust, and I loved it. And I'm a big fan of Crust as, as an artist and as yeah. a human. We've ended up spending quite a bit of time. Oh, great. Over the years, just oh, on nice. the but I haven't seen him in ages. But anyway, it was really nice to um, just hear his story. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't know it quite as well, especially the early days of it. By the time Represent happened, obviously, I knew it. But, yeah, it was the sort of fresh fall thing. I wasn't – I saw it from the outside, but didn't really know that much about it. Um, yeah. But I guess you will always be tagged with Brighton, ultimately, won't you? Yeah, I mean – Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the label Marine Parade was named after the street I yeah. lived on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I heard rumours that you're thinking of relaunching. Is that right? I'm really excited about the sort of broken beat, breakbeat based music that's out there at the moment. There's so much good stuff. And, uh, I haven't felt like that in a long time. Like, just I'm really excited about dance floor music again. Great. And um, so I haven't, I'm definitely relaunching, whether it's as Marine Parade or whether I call it something about relevant to this chapter I'm living now. Yeah. Might be more, feels like, anyway, I'm going to make that decision shortly, but either way, whatever it's called, I'm busy gathering music and finding artists. Wow. And making some myself. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, so, what I've always admired about you in that field is the way that you were so persistent and tenacious in creating, inventing a scene, and then kind of at its peak, you sort of walked away from it, um, not wanting to be defined by that, and then went away and did some other bits and moved in different directions and you know i've always thought from an artistic perspective that was exactly the right thing to do it was i'm, I'm glad you think that because <laughs> 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 um but it, yeah in retrospect it was yeah um absolutely i mean the acid wouldn't have happened the desert wouldn't have happened i yeah yeah it I think it, as an artistic person, like, you know what I mean? Beyond it, you get, I, yeah, I felt boxed in like, and it was totally in my head, but also just all best part of 20 years of touring nonstop. I was like, yeah. I, I need to, if I'm to have do any of my sort of life goals that I had imagined, I, I, I can't be living on airplanes and hotels anymore. Like, I need to stop, not just, and so I did. Yeah. And I was absolutely and, the right thing, I think. Yeah. And now, funnily, you know, I never thought I would. I thought like I did that, got the T-shirt, you know, did the DJ thing. Um, and it was really nice with the acid to be able to just occupy a different realm, you know. Like we're playing shows at 8, 9 p.m. and you play for an hour and then... Yeah on claps and goes home and you go to bed you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a totally different experience to yeah hang around the planet and djing at four in the morning yes a bunch of people really high yeah, yeah. 
um and it, it was really great you know i mean it is really great um so just but now i'm i'm actually quite excited about doing some djing again not the way i used to do it but just just there's so much good music i've like, I got to play this stuff that's it yeah so it feels really nice to just come from excitement um i don't really quite know how i'm gonna go from here to like doing that but it'll it'll transpire yeah it'll work out yeah and, i mean i would never reach the levels you did in terms of djing but i stopped djing for very similar reasons because when you start you just get really excited about music and you want to play it all or you want to make your mark or you there's a certain sound you want to get out that you think isn't being heard and as you exactly. become more successful you do get boxed in and actually the broadness or in, in my head is how i felt and you're probably right it was in my head I felt that more and more people were expecting one certain thing from me. And um, that just kind of made me unhappy. And then there is that kind of hamster wheel of every weekend. And then you lose touch with your friends, lose touch, you know, can't really build any solid relationships with anyone because you're away every weekend and, uh, and having to, having to play a very narrow band of music. And I, I can't listen to one genre of music for more than about, 25 minutes without wanting something else to happen and that was kind of how I wanted to DJ and probably how I started and then suddenly you're a thing and people expect that thing and then you've got to chase all this stuff you know I just found it for me it just became the was it the dragon that ate itself or the snake that ate itself in the end you know yeah I can completely relate to that I think it's, it was felt like twofold I, I thought there's 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 people's expectations there's also the environment you know when when i started djing you're playing like deep stuff in small venues and then you get a name for yourself and there's a demand to go and headline a big festival to thousands of people and that stuff wouldn't work in that environment you know so you kind of there's this pressure to play like bigger tunes because you, you as you should you're there to entertain people on their saturday night and um and so you it just the environment changes and so the music you play changes and then scenes evolve and then it yeah there's different there's different factors at play that, that sort of completely change why you got into it in the first place Although I never played music I didn't love, which no. I'm proud to say. Um, but I did feel the pressure, like, there's a certain point in the 2000s when, like, everything was just getting bigger and harder and faster and the whole EDM thing happened and people, the sort of dynamics, people's attention spans waned and I felt like I didn't, I wasn't enjoying so much. Like I love playing for three, four hours and telling a story and then you're on a festival for an hour and like the guy before you has just played full guns blazing and it's like, what are you going to do after that? You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, this, you know, it, it sort of became like noise wars and it, yeah. Yeah, and it gets yeah. ugly. Yeah, that's exactly right. But it, I'm so glad that the scene has evolved so much since then and there's sort of a much more... You don't have to do that. You don't have to play though. You know, it's much more like boutique festivals and 
sound systems got have got better and the productions got better and there's so many more people making music and it's just a totally different realm and i think now with social media as well you could you know i'm I'm excited to just play to some small crowds of people really love music i don't care about headlining a festival you know what i mean and uh that feels exciting to me just playing in a nice environment probably by day probably outdoors to some people that really love music yeah 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 and there's no pressure to do anything else um also like the breakbeat thing became like I didn't like what it became. And I didn't want anything to do with it. It got quite laddie, didn't it? It got really laddie and it just became cheesy. Like mm. it was all like, it was a handful of artists, DJs that kind of just poured it out, I felt. And it just became sort of this bootleg pop. Everyone was remixing pop tracks with a breakbeat. And it was, it was awful. I, and I, I really, and, didn't want anything to do with that. But uh, again, I shouldn't have really cared. I should have just, um, I, know, I don't have any regrets really. I did, I did, uh, I played the music I loved and then I, until I didn't want to. And now I'm in a different place and excited. Yeah. Hey, hold on a sec, Leon. Yeah. Matt, are you looking for the, the flamethrower? <laughs> it's by the hot tub. No, to your left, by the solar panels. <laughs> Sorry, flamethrower. <laughs> well, it yeah, it's what do you call those things for like doing welding? Oh, right, like blowtorch, blowtorch, no, not flamethrower, okay. not actual flamethrower, <laughs> blowtorch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turns out it's really handy for lighting your um hot tub fire. Oh, okay, you can imagine lighting anything around with a match or yeah. uh, um. Yeah, but it's windy. You, just yeah. and it's, it's going. <laughs> <laughs> you don't be messing around with a bic in a in a windstorm. No, no, no. You need, you need, you need a flamethrower, aka <laughs> low torch. Yeah. Well, there was so many great, you know, there's plenty great remixes of pop acts. Yeah, I mean, so many, right? But this the stuff that was bugging me was just wasn't re- it was bootlegs it was oh, right like, yeah the, the yeah easy record a pop record with a with a breakbeat shoved over it i think it's like it's sort of the mentality is like are you a party dj yeah or are you like someone that enjoys playing an experience to people that want to go on a journey with music and yeah they're different from different things and like but there's this pressure to like, every DJ feels to like rock the party, right? So you, so I can see why it happens, but it take it takes real discipline to go. No, you know, I'm not going to do that. I know this would make the crowd go nuts, but it's just getting it's riding that balance, isn't yeah. it? Between yeah, I would sort of say DJing's like it's easy to play really underground, chin stroke, super deep, super classy music to the a few dudes that are going to be like train spotting that's really cool you're really cool because you played that record i mean that's fairly easy to do it's also fairly easy to play the sort of beat port top 10 
right? So of whatever genre you're into, but the, the art is obviously writing, giving people enough of familiarity to keep their Saturday night going if they're not a hardcore music nerd, you know what I mean? But also taking it into just start playing that, writing that, that fine line. And that's really the art form. And I, I felt that had largely been lost and unappreciated because most of the people coming through weren't DJs, they were producers that became an, a DJ act. Yeah. Different, it's a different skill, you know? Yeah. Right. That's how I look at it. No, I think that's actually right. I think we're all on the same page there. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Mm. I'm looking forward to that, if that rekindles then. Yeah, Pioneer Town Records or whatever it's ended up being, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I could call it Pipes Canyon because, you know. Yeah. Marine Parade, now it's Pipes Canyon. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that you're kind of re-energised by the whole idea. I've just got so much more energy in my life, like as a human like as a yeah. physical energy i'm much fitter and stronger and my mind is much clearer than when i was living that life so i feel like i'm yeah i've just got energy for it i was you know it's like it's so exhausting i, I really admire well highly respect the djs that are still going non-stop from the that were my peers in the 90s yeah like respect you have to have a pretty amazing constitution to do that non-stop and 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 still enjoy it and still stay edgy and um all of the things it's it's a lot it's all it's it's amazing also but you know yeah 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 i didn't have that in the end so <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. I remember Steve Sato saying, I don't know how you do it. You know, I'm booking your shows and everything, but I don't know how you do it. Like, and I said, well, you know, I, I'm going to do this until it feels like a job. But one thing that really bugged me was when you'd see, and often you see a you know, DJ up there getting paid crazy money and they just look like they're phoning it in. Yeah. They're not connecting with the crowd. They're doing their job, but they, this passion's not there. And that would really, I, I never wanted to, I can't say I've never been in that experience because it's sometimes when you're just so jet lagged, you don't even know which way is up. But I never wanted, you know, I think it, it's really disrespectful. I think like it's such a privilege to be able to get paid to play for people and to, and to have influence look to people's experience that it should be taken seriously like and you know if you're just phoning it in and it was one afternoon i was just dreading i was driving from to gatwick from brighton and i was i can't remember where i was supposed to be going and i was just like every fiber in me was like i do not want to do this get on the plane i'm exhausted and i called sato and i was like you know, there was that day coming where you said, I said, I'd tell you that it felt like a job. I'm like, today's that day. We're here. Like, We're here. Anyway. And he was like, 
totally i get it okay no more shows and that was that that was 2010 where are we now 21 we're 22 aren't we? yeah 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 because you did try the live act thing for a bit as well didn't you i mean pre-acid with freeland yeah like when we want your soul kicked off i put a sort of a after we made that first freeland album um that was sort of the hit and then there was this sort of yeah it sort of made sense to go and perform that yeah as a band as a live act and we did a fair bit of touring with it yeah in respect i wish i I knew more about i didn't grow up in bands and i wish i knew more about putting a live show together because I think we were okay. I don't think we were a brilliant band. I saw you a few times. Um, it was okay. And it, it, it was definitely okay. It was more than okay. But it is a different world. And how big you are as a DJ, if you're getting into that world, then you are basically starting from scratch. You are. It's not uh, the and same. By, it's the same when, you know, people in bands want to be DJs. And then it's just you're starting from scratch it's the skills involved that you pick up over a decade or whatever um you know clearly take time and you can't just you can't just roll up and um uh, roll up and do it but actually I, I remember i definitely saw you once or twice i thought it was great and we want your soul i love massive fan of that record obviously um and when i do dj which is very occasionally at sort of people's birthday parties the acapella of that still comes out um I love it. It's fantastic. It's haunted me that acapella <laughs> because um, because it's out there, and then there's been so many rip-offs of "We Want Your Soul," which is good and bad. But the yeah. good ones are good, and the cheesy ones are not good. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. a good sign that you know people are still listening to it, and it coincided with uh, probably with yours too. I imagine it coincided with my massive deep bill hicks phase quite coincidentally i think i kind of did a huge bill hicks phase and then we want your soul came out and that was sort of you know i would uh, yeah he was, he was such an influence yeah an influence yeah uh i was amazed we got clearance actually from his family to do that but yeah. they were really cool good mm. good so they should be yeah, interesting character. I mean, yeah, just the way he, his rage at the sort of sucking of Satan's cock, as mm. he called it, of like what the way the world was going, was so prophetic. You know, he's not one of those comedians that made you laugh. It was more like <laughs> prophecy, you know. Yeah. Um, There's a point when he had pancreatic cancer knew he was dying and I don't think anyone else knew and that's the point when his material is so ridiculously dark that I remember I mean it just took me a while to even be able to sit down and listen to it once but like a lot of good things you then keep coming back to it and sort of try it again and just try that again and you know um
he was he was very funny, but he was also very, very angry. Mm. Uh, and rightly, I mean, look what. And rightly so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's very little dissent out there, you know. There right. is, and the problem with the kind of celebrity world in inverted commas is if they do bring any dissent, it's not really taken seriously anymore. No. Um, uh, for, for whatever reason. I mean, it's straight up censored. I mean, I follow Adbusters on Instagram, you know, it was Black Friday on last week, and they do like a, every year they do a buy nothing day. Yeah. And they they got they I guess they were having some traction this year and they got pulled off Instagram on oh, no. Black Friday. Wow. And uh, they then they they got reinstated a few days later, but you know the storm had passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's so deeply. Well, yeah. I was going to say. We no. can go off. Go, no, have a go. Go on. May as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't actually know what I'm trying to say. No. Like, it'll come to me. It'll come yeah. to me. There's so much there. Yeah. 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 I it's, mean, corporate corruption is just so ingrained in our life, we don't even see it anymore. I think maybe is what you're heading towards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's in, almost impossible to avoid. I mean, it's completely impossible. If I, you think actually, I think it is impossible to avoid, yeah. It's impossible. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, living I, off grid's a good start, I guess. It's a good start, but, you know, I've had to buy a lot of shit to live off yeah, grid. Yeah, exactly. And that's so why you I have to go to your supermarket or whatever. Are you, growing, are you able to grow anything down there? or? Um, yeah, well, it's an extreme environment, and I, I learned that the, the, the factors you think might be a problem are well, not such a problem, but the, the, there's little things like mice and rodents have been like the biggest problem because you're just putting juicy stuff out in the middle of the desert and it just, yeah. it's just, yeah. it doesn't even last a night. But um, my lockdown project was I built a greenhouse um, and like with sunken, well, like raised beds. And it's turned out to be so nice. And it's actually the only properly indoor structure I got on the property that I, I sort of repurposed it as I was building it as a, a vegetable lounge. Um, so it's like a hangout space slash growing space. Amazing. It's, yeah, it's like a nice place. You can just hang out and talk to the plants. And yeah. Piano. Oh, wow. But um, again, it's, it, it's, it's really hard to, on your own, grow food. Yeah, like people have this idea. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna stop what I do and buy a bit of land and start a farm. It's like, good luck. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It takes a community, you know. It takes yeah. a village. It absolutely does. Um, but like, I got pretty paranoid in the first few weeks of when the whole COVID thing kind of the wave hit, and I was like, okay, prepper mode. You know, like what what do I need to do? I started buying like heirloom seeds. And, you know, really extra well pumps in case, like, I thought the whole world was going to, like, shut, collapse. Yeah. I really thought America was going to go down. Um, 
And I was like, all right, well, if I, if I, if I had to survive out here, like, what would I do? Like I shot a squirrel with my air rifle and like ate it, skinned it, cooked it, ate wow. it. Just so like, yeah, I know that. Squirrel? No, no, <laughs> you couldn't live off squirrel. <laughs> well, I had to do that to find out. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, okay, what could I live on out here? Um, the reality is if everything totally shut down, probably couldn't. No. But I like the idea of just getting completely self-sustainable anyway. Yeah, of course. But I'm a few steps closer, thanks to COVID. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I have an allotment, as you may remember, and I had a bumpy year last year. Uh, and I haven't had at the time this year, really. But I just, even with a bumpy year, I keep thinking, I'm so glad I haven't got to feed my family with this. Because mm. all you get is like a week of rain too much and or you know or not enough rain or you know or something or this or blight and it's just gone like six months of tinkering away at a vegetable it just dies before your eyes you know oh. <laughs> and you just imagine what it would have been like for people who did just try and grow food enough to live and what work i mean you just and the amount of food you'd need for a family or just for me myself you know just in terms of you know needs to keep all year and yeah i mean those those skills are you know have you got into the permaculture world no I, I just haven't had the time to do anything beyond grow a few vegetables but i'd love mm. to if i had the time when i have the time i did a, a permaculture design course earlier this year and it was a I'd say the most rewarding and useful bit of education I've ever had. Wow. It was two week intensive um, with this brilliant guy called Warren Brush. Who's like a, a permaculture guru who's doing like crazy ambitious projects, like teaching refugee camps in Africa, how to grow their own food on like mass scale. Like one of the most effective humans I've ever come across. Wow. I learned so much on that. Like, I, uh, you know, I should have done that when I started living off <laughs> in the desert. But um, I didn't know about it. I didn't really know what permaculture was. And uh, yeah, there's so much. I mean, you can actually, if you get yourself organized, you can be really effective in growing stuff. Um, so what does permaculture mean in this instance then? Just being able to, well, like horticulture would be like you know gardening and maybe growing some veggies. But permaculture, there is probably a, a term for it. I mean, a, a sort of a definition, but it's like a whole holistic systems approach. Um, now they'd kind of the buzzword would be like a sustainable agriculture. Right. Yeah. How to um, optimize i mean it's using indigenous wisdom but in a sort of modern yeah the modern lens so it's like yeah. what do i do with my gray water do i just pour it into the desert or do i use that to water my vegetables and like how do i harness the sun and like how do i design my house so that it's passive solar so it heats and cools itself and i don't need to use propane or whatever to heat my house it's like simple actually once you get into it they're all once you go there it's fairly obvious but like most houses are made not with these principles in design so you need especially here like they build like a square box in the middle of the desert and with a, a, 
really badly insulated and put an air conditioner on the roof and a heater and like uses so much energy to heat and cool it just a bit of simple good design and insulation house can yeah, yeah. south-facing window it's just like a yeah. whole systems approach um to how we look at it how we do things and actually when you look at the big picture like we don't it, one thing that really came out of that course for me is just how we're doing life on earth i mean that when you go to do when you go to mars and when you're doing like they're all using that's permaculture like how to how to do all this stuff right but uh, an example that really st stuck with me was la right it's it's a town in a desert with 14 million people more water lands on la in rainfall every year than la uses right but all of that water goes in it's treated as waste yeah. it's treated as a problem and then it's uh, it's treated as a threat to property and then it's channeled into it lands on concrete streets and it lands it goes into the la river which is concrete and it washes out the sea and causes a load of pollution meanwhile we import river and uh, i forget the name of it now another and we cause a huge amount of um upstream problems or taking water away from where it's needed yeah feed la but actually if la was you know it's not realistic that la is ever going to completely sustain itself with water but it's possible yeah do you know I mean like how do the idea of sinking the water back into the yeah aquifers rather than shoving it down a, a concrete river and they're starting to do it now they're breaking up the la river and they're putting in rocks and slowing the flow and trying to and breaking it up and they're actually going to build a lake uh, just by downtown la and it's just stuff that we had didn't think about when you 100 years ago when you're no. building a city and now we're like all oh, right um there's so much and you kind of go to the way we're doing mass agriculture it's like it doesn't actually make it doesn't make sense. No. The only reason it works is because of subsidies on fossil fuels. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense on any level except no. for big corporations. No. Like, and it's planting partner plants. And so that you can grow these food forests that have all these plants that have symbiotic relationships with each other. And like, it's much, much more efficient use of, it's not just sort of nice thing to do. It's straight up like per square meter of land you get way more yield for way less input. It's the win on every level. Yeah. But regulations and all the lobbies and everything make yeah. that really hard to do. But things are going. I mean, I think the whole permaculture movement. Well, something clearly needs to change, isn't it? So you just go into YouTube, permaculture. And yeah, it'll be out there. Up. Yeah. Like yeah. you will go down rabbit holes for weeks. Yeah. Forever. Like how to do a grey water system. Like how do yeah. you that that was that was the most fun part for me water in a desert yeah and now until recently it was illegal to capture water in los in california from your roof because it was seen as a health and safety problem well, whereas no in australia what's that no water butts i mean here everyone has a water butt underneath there they're guttering, so it catches the water as it goes down, and then you collect the water and you keep it there and use it to water your plants with in the summer. 
and that is in a damp ass rainy place and in yeah. california they <laughs> wouldn't allow that because it was like health and safety because like you know bacteria might grow in those water butts it's a broad selection of topics we've covered <laughs> i love it <laughs> i love it i got a million rabbit holes we could wax <laughs> I'll finish. Okay, we, it's too long, long much to go into, but the, the, I did two courses this year that really blew my mind. And one was the, the permaculture design course, and the other was a, a sense making course with um, an outfit out of London called Rebel Wisdom. And I got deep into the whole sense making community and like, how do you make sense? of a world where like we've been gamed by algorithms and you can't trust any media and oh, so i didn't know how we were spelling sense whether it's yeah oh, yeah not like not like perfumes no i thought <laughs> i did think for a minute it was <laughs> no, I, I got really into candles and um <laughs> sense making sense as in yeah making, understood. how do you make sense of the world where yeah. you can't just assume you read the guardian and that you're informed or yeah Fox News or anything yeah. or your algorithm your facebook our timeline is just bombarding you with i feel like i've lost so many friends in the last year to like some pretty batshit thought paranoid conspiracy yeah but then actually a lot of the conspiracies (laughs) turned out "Mm, maybe it came out of a lab in wuhan you know (laughs) it's yeah. but you know but i because I, I just got really interested in this world of, probably because i have too much time alone thinking about i, I think we're all interested in it but yeah. Uh, yeah it's a really interesting moment in history of like uh i got really inspired by this guy called daniel schmachtenberger okay who's become like a guru really really clever bloke um but I could rant about that, but yeah, well, I'll look him up. It's exactly the sort of thing I wanted. Need. Um, that if there's a on the Rebel Wisdom YouTube channel, there's like a bunch of sort of um sense making interviews with Daniel Schmechterberger that okay. I kind of I will that kind of I'll, I will check them out. My we're a real deep schooling, and he continues to be like a, a wicked powerful inspiration and mind yeah Nugget. we all need inspiring people we can talk about it yeah yeah we all need inspiring people it's, around it's, us it's brilliant minds out there mm. yeah and it's bizarrely in the age of communication you don't they're not easily it's not like they're being rammed down your throat these brilliant minds you have to go and find them Whereas you would think that in the age of mass communication, those brilliant minds would be, you know, on our airwaves all the time. Maybe they are there, maybe I haven't noticed them, but I, you know, it seems to me that the lowest common denominator is pushed first. Well, that's it. I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah. It's like it's the algorithms are just feeding you what you're, you know, f- feeding you more of what you've, you've, you've already chosen. So yeah. we're in these, we're all wandering around thinking we're informed about the world, but we're all completely deluded in our bubbles. Yeah. And there isn't, it's not like before you'd everyone would sit down and watch 
the news and get yeah. like no like everyone's in their own getting their own news which is radically different from everyone else's news and so we wonder why there's such polarization yeah and we see it here like so many friends like don't talk to their parents anymore because they like voted trump and it's people are so polarized and so clear so sure that they're right yeah which is dangerous so, like, for anyone to be in irrespective of what they believe um yeah we all think we're kind of closer to the truth than those yeah. other people that don't know yeah. but no probably not no probably not and i think so if you surround yourself with about people that? who believe the same thing as you it just stunts you intellectually doesn't it in the end you have to be with people who have a different opinion in order for you to be able to debate that opinion but even that idea of debate doesn't seem to be no it's just shouting i'm ranting now. Yeah, yeah i don't think you are i think you're it's fascinating genuinely and it's a great way to end the season yeah, think, um yeah and it's um it's been brilliant seeing you and chatting to you again we didn't really get the chance to hang out last time we saw each other. You were DJing, in fact. It's funny to get to have a proper chat. Yeah. Um, like this. Because <laughs> we only ever release each other in nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're not great places for chats. Nightclubs. They're not. They're not. Quite the opposite, in fact. Um, yeah. I like the idea of a nice daytime festival, so I look forward to seeing you play at some point again. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be doing some more. Um, we 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 kind of um, pretty far down the line with an acid, the acid record. Yeah, we just need to get in the same room. Yeah, finish it and then. Um, yeah, I look forward to working that with you. That and then, then some dance floor music. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, Ad. Good to see you, man. Bloody lovely to see you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do it in real life sometime. Yeah, let's do it in real life. I hope you have a fantastic solstice slash Christmas slash whichever bit of the turning of the seasons you celebrate. Uh, yeah, I go with the real. The, the solstice one makes sense to me. It's yeah. actually yeah. something real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The concept. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, and I'll see you real soon. Thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. Great to see you. Thanks, Ad. Lots of love. See ya. All the best. Ciao for now. Definitely. Talking of ciao for now. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Bob Mortimer's Instagram? Uh, I haven't actually. Should I? <laughs> I've literally spent this morning in stitches. About he's got this. He's got this guy called train train guy and he's like playing this total like total city boy ra who would be really obnoxious on the phone on a train it's fucking brilliant i could <laughs> I, I haven't laughed that hard out loud alone for a long time <laughs> so abstract and so good i'll give you that one i'm gonna have a little look at that now then all right brilliant oh. Ciao for now, yeah. Ciao for now. Ciao for now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bye. <laughs>